All right, here we are, April 1st. We've got new taxes coming into play today and a looming um, lockdown starting on Monday. This lockdown is going to look uh, different than previous lockdowns because you'll still be able to go into non-essential retail outlets. They can operate at 25%. But when you're taking some people that were in the yellow zone and moving them back into gray, or you're taking people who have been locked down in lockdown for, you know, 300 days and saying, yeah, remember when we said you could give someone a haircut on April 12th? That's not going to happen. Let's just say people get stressed out. And when we get stressed out, it does something to your brain. You might be tired. You might feel defeated. Occasionally you're foggy. I know you've heard me on this show experience a time where, you know, and it happens I can't, there's no rhyme or reason for when this happens. I, it doesn't correlate with how much sleep I have gotten the night before, but I will just black out in like, I'll just gap on a word, the most simple word that I'm searching for. I can't get it. And I'm not the only one. There's a lot of brain fog going on next day, sharpest attack. I can't put it together. The only thing I can actually pin it to is the possibility of stress during the pandemic. And I'm not alone. According to a national survey of Canadians, they suggest that more than half of all respondents, 56% of us are feeling increased stress or anxiety as a result of this pandemic. Among those that are suffering um, at 63%, 18 to 34 year olds. Dr. Roger McIntyre is a professor of psychiatry and pharmacology at the University of Toronto. He knows a lot about brains and especially your brain on stress. Dr. McIntyre, welcome to the show. It's wonderful to be with you. So describe what happens to our brain when we're stressed out and in a constant state of anxiety for an elongated period of time like the pandemic. You know, the way you crafted the question is so critical. You said constant. And I think it's important to separate acute stress, which can be a good thing. Let's say you and I were sitting down for an exam or a job interview. A little bit of stress is good for us, helps us perform even better. We really rise to the occasion, give our A game when we need to give our A game. That's a good part about stress. But when stress is constant, and let me add two words, when it's malignant, and when it's uncertain. The two words for me during COVID have been malignant uncertainty. We have no idea when this is going to end. And when stress is chronic, and we know when it's gonna end, that's a different ball game than stress that's chronic, and we have no idea when it's going to end, or make it worse, we're told we can get a haircut, and then that's been pushed further down the field. So this has, in fact, been a terrible situation. Every line of research that's been conducted on stress and the brain shows that when the stress is unpredictable, it unequivocally does damage to the brain, not only in lower species like rats and things like that, but also in humans. This has been absolutely devastating. Can that account for memory loss of simple words? Yes, you said brain fog is exactly what it is. What happens is, is when we're under a lot of stress, our body reacts to stress. The body reaction to stress is a normal reaction to stress because usually stress lasts for a short period of time. But when it goes on for a long period of time, the stress system is still activated. And what happens is, is that in the scientific community, we've been able to identify really with incredible detail, the biology of stress. There's actually hormones involved. There's neurochemistries involved. There's a whole bunch of chemicals that are released when you're under stress. 
The problem is, is if they remain active for too long, they begin to interfere with the brain. Two things happen. We lose brain tissue over time. That doesn't sound good. And we also lose brain function. Now, if you went to your computer and you looked at your motherboard, you know there's a bunch of circuits and networks on that motherboard. Your, your brain's a lot the same. And what we've learned in our research, and others have shown this, is that under conditions of stress, you're losing brain tissue, your circuits are not acting quite right, they're not connecting quite right, not randomly in the brain, but in those areas of the brain that you rely on to think to remember what you got to do, to be able to organize your thoughts and to have the motivation to do all of this. People right now are feeling so blah, so tired. Every day is blurs day. They've got nothing to look forward to except more news that more bad news is coming. I mean, this is not thrilling. And so people are fatigued, they're apathetic, they're bored. And they're foggy. And this is because the neurochemistry of stress is having an effect on the neurochemistry of their brain, which okay. is decreasing, in some cases, thinking and their motivation. I have some questions because it's fascinating to me. Are you talking about what you're saying? Sounds like we're experiencing brain damage. What I'm saying is, is we know that there is an increase in the risk of mental illness during this time, particularly depression. And that's been well reported, well described in many parts of the world. Secondly, there's many people who don't have a mental illness, but they are really tired. They're fatigued. They're bored. There's no, there's no joie de vivre in their life. They don't have a mental illness, but their quality of life is terrible. And what I'm saying is that experience, which is real, is a consequence of chronic, malignant, uncertain stress. Now, if this goes on and on and on, the literature shows it can change your brain in ways you don't want it to be changed because your brain's trying to adapt to this. I don't want people to think that somehow, you know, this is going to be the inevitability. Mm-hmm. Things can change and the brain can recover and then brain function can return. And what's so important about this? We don't need to be victims because what's important here is the uncertainty. Our brains don't like uncertainty. You can reduce uncertainty by structuring your day, getting sleep at a time that you're dictating. We can't dictate this virus. We're out of control with all kinds of public health measures right now. We can't control that. But you can control what you can control. And the literature shows that in conditions of stress, If you can structure and take control of your life, you can significantly reduce the stress. Is this because of the plasticity of our brains? It is. Our brains are remarkably plastic. And plastic in the sense that if we're under a lot of chronic stress, the brain's trying to adapt to that. And it's trying to adapt in a way that's doing you a service. But the problem is, is that over time, that adaptation ends up making us feel tired, fatigued, what we talked about. On the positive, if you can back off on the alcohol, back off on, you know, the food, the mm-hmm. smoking of cigarettes and whatever else people smoke, structure your day and exercise. Yes, that's all good for you. You've known this since you were a little kid, but it's doing something really critical to this conversation. 
It's giving you control. You've got certainty. And people need to feel certain. And it's that control that people are feeling that they don't have right now, but they can take part of that back. And the research shows that reduces this stress on the brain. And it's been shown over and over again. It's so interesting. You know, we talk about, you know, uh, various things that people should be doing. I've been hearing and you've been hearing a lot about increase in alcohol consumption, increase in food consumption. We've seen a decrease in um, people stopping smoking cigarettes. So it's a double negative there. People are starting to smoke more cigarettes. And I would say that this conversation about boredom, tiredness, fatigue, no life, along with eating too much, drinking too much, and getting drugs back in people's lives, those are not unrelated. People are often resorting to these types of behaviors in part because we as humans want to feel pleasure and feel a certain degree of normalcy. And our pleasure has been dampened down by the stress. I'm not saying that's the whole explanation, but I'm saying it could partially explain excess food consumption, more booze, and more drugs being consumed at this time. I, I love that you're leaving the door open here so that we can um, we can deal with this chronic stress we're dealing with. Let me ask you, is it good for our brains to try and pick up a new skill at this point in time? Will that help with yeah. stress? Absolutely. The metaphor is often used when you go to the gym, which we can't do, but when you go and you exercise, you're strengthening your muscles, you're strengthening your fitness. Your brain is a muscle. It reacts to when you're not using it, it gets soft. It reacts to when you are using it, it gets stronger. And there's been lots of work to show that when people do things with their brain, that is, are keeping active mentally, keeping engaged, brain function responds favorably. And people, in fact, begin to form. Get this. You talked about plasticity. Yes, they start to form brain cells, more brain connections. And that is uh, picked up on pencil and paper tests. We can actually measure this difference. So it's not just some theoretical construct. It's something that translates into something we can tangibly measure. So absolutely. And by the way, exercise and good sleep, good for brain plasticity. And uh, but absolutely keeping engaged, intellectually engaged. And let's not forget the arts. So absolutely is the case. Okay, what about uh, puzzles? Chris and I have been talking about this off air and sometimes on air. Like he actually has started to do not just crossword puzzles, but actual puzzle puzzles. How important are they for your brain health? Well, you know, I think the actual task is really secondary. It's a puzzle. It might be history discussions, whatever it might be about having good conversation with peers and friends. I think the brain, it's just like exercise. You right. know, you can lift weights, do push-ups. There's different ways you can exercise. The muscle is going to respond the same way favorably. There's different ways you can engage your brain. And just frankly, having social engagement with people is in many cases good for brain connectivity and brain growth. So puzzles, yes. I think, frankly, I'm agnostic. It can be anything that's putting a demand on your brain. Your brain is like your muscles. It needs to be put to work. And people right now are fatigued and tired. People are saying, why should I even bother? I just want to watch Netflix all day passively and maybe have a, a large pizza and a lot of alcohol. Well, I would say that's probably not the best thing for you at this point. Of course, everything in moderation, Yeah, but you got to put the brain to work. Jerry Seinfeld advocates for pizza happy, though. He says it's a good thing. <laughs> 
Well, you know, look, uh, hedonism and pleasure is all a good thing. We are certainly creatures who uh, deserve and want that type of experience. People are feeling as though that's been taken away from them, mm -hmm. that they just don't have any joie de vivre right now. And, and it's really been bad. It's really bad. Um, but what I would say is there's not an easy solution. I don't want to even imply or pretend that there is. But it doesn't have to be so miserable in the sense that there's things that you can do that can actually give you that control back and really take the accelerator off of this stress on your brain by doing some of the very basic things that we've talked about. Easier said than done, but yeah. when done, results are uh, apparent. Let me just ask you in 30 seconds or less, um, is it possible to be stressed out and you don't even know it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, that's very often the case. Because what happens is, is that if stress gets too overwhelming, people kind of tune out, they don't even really process it. It's almost like if you're playing a sport, you don't often you'll in, 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 in the adrenaline of the sport, it's not till the game is over, you realize you got a pretty bad bruise on your leg. And because you're so in fact, in the moment of managing stress, and so that metaphor would also apply to emotional damage uh, in terms of how this is affecting people. And a lot of people, quite frankly, it's not until after the event is over, they realize what impact it had on them. But let's finish on this last and last seconds. There's lots we can do and we can take back that control and structure your day. And that's been shown in the scientific literature to reduce the stress. Dr. McIntyre, you've made it to the podcast. We'll put up this interview again for anybody that wants to hear it again. I, I think you've given us some useful information and some people are going to be looking around for stress relief, especially over this long weekend. So thank you very much for telling us about this. A pleasure. Thanks for having me. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.